Des Moines. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon live from the DraftKings Sportsbook at Wild Rose Studios. This is 1460 KXNO. Hawkeyes, Cyclones, Panthers, and Bulldogs. Yeah, we got that covered. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Sports Station, 1460 KXNO with you right here until noon. Now, coming up next week, uh, Monday is the only day of local live local programming. We're all on the air on Monday, and then all four of the local shows are off on Tuesday. Uh, and then again on Wednesday, then the following week, it'll be the same way. We're here on the 30th, 31st, and the 1st we're off. I know the KXNO pregame show will be on both Saturdays. In fact, I saw Sean Roberts going to be out and about for the Camping World Bowl. Oh, yeah. I have a remote. He's one of those Chicago Notre Dame fans. He is. Yeah, there's plenty of them over there. Yeah, it's, it's Trent, both of these bowl games this year, it couldn't have worked out any better for the locals I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, and there was a period in November where I was going to, to Memphis. They're going back to Memphis and they're playing Navy. Yes. Or they're playing SMU and it's just, mm-hmm. oh, really? Yeah. And I was going with San Francisco. They're mm-hmm. going to drop and have to play Cal. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> it looked like it for both of them. And now suddenly you get blue blood programs, uh-huh. big bowl games, big I think time slots that are going to work out incredibly Without well. Without a doubt, you know there's the a theory team out there. from Fox doing the, the doing the yes. Holiday Bowl. This is going to be the most people ever to watch an Iowa State game. I, I don't, don't know think what the it's TV crazy. ratings are. I don't know what their highest historical number is. You're right. I don't think it's great. Now, were they on a national game back in the 70s or 80s when there was only two games on and they got a huge number? Because all, all the, but I at least be of surprised. History, but of recent history, right. this is going to be certainly I think. The biggest number of people to ever watch Iowa State football. I think Pollard put that out there when the bowl was announced, and I think he's right. I, I really do. I think he's going to be right. It's the it's the semifinal Saturday. It's eleven o'clock in the morning. It's ABC. Notre Dame's going to bring a ton of eyeballs to that game. Iowa State, their fan base is loyal, but um, look, people can tune in to watch Notre Dame. I mean, it's the helmets. It's it's Notre Dame. I just hope there it's a good football game, and I believe it's going to be. I can't pick that game, Trent, for the life of me. Notre Dame's a better team. They should win. They should win. Yes, I agree. But will but, they? Dot, dot, dot. See, Campbell will have his guys fired. This is far and away the sexiest bowl matchup in Iowa State's history, and it's not even close. It's not even close. Campbell's going to have the boys ready to play. I'm convinced of that. I'm right there with you. I, I think defensively. And you said yesterday, maybe it was on the radio or we taped our TV show, and you said, uh, you pointed at Notre Dame, the camp, what? They don't want to be there. Right. Orlando for what? Uh, you, you've you seen the articles. You've read mm-hmm. what it is. Ken, they don't want to be there. Right. They just fired their offensive coordinator. Right. There's another angle. Who was an award, uh, the assistant coach of the year last year. Your previous. Right. You go 10-2, and two, and you're firing uh-huh. coordinators. They're not going to the Orange Bowl. They're going to the Camping World Bowl. So do they want to be there? Um, we'll see. I Look, at it. If, if Iowa State beats Notre Dame, and they certainly can, 
I, sadly, we're going to have to read about a lot about that. Uh, Notre Dame, come on, they didn't want to be there. Right, yes. Yeah, please. Still counts. Absolutely counts. You took a Notre Dame scalp. How about that? Uh, yeah, and then the night before with Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt, I think Joel Klatt's as good as anybody in the business. Bruce Feldman on the sidelines? Bruce Feldman on the sidelines. That's a quality team. 7 o'clock local time. Bars will be packed, I have a feeling, oh, man. here imagine? in Des Moines. Uh, in central, well, all across the state. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, boy, oh boy, this, this worked out really well. All right, let's do a couple of minutes on this. Uh, we don't have a ton of time. Let's fast forward to week 17. Okay. I've always liked, you know how, when I, how giddy I get when the schedule comes yes. out in, in the NFL. Um, and then I try to figure out what's going to be week seven. Is, is NBC going to flex a game? Because I hate it when there's no Sunday night game in week 17, right? That was just, the case last year. It's been the case, I think, two out of the last three years. It just seems like Seattle and San Francisco. How can you not put that game in prime time? Is it? And I know why they do it. You know, competitive balance. Mm-hmm. Everybody, they've only got, I think right now, there's three late games on the slate. Oakland, Denver, meaningless. Arizona versus the Rams, probably meaningless. And then the Niners and the uh, Seahawks. So it would certainly do some harm to that late window if they pick that one off. But don't they have to pick it off? I think so. And you're also going to see some of those games that are scheduled for noon move to that late afternoon window. Let's say there's still a chance for the Eagles to get the Cowboys or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Both those games that well, will be I think moved. You know what? I think it's going to be determined prior to that. Whoever well, wins in Week 16 has is it locked in. up? Okay. I think so, yes. Because they'll have the tiebreaker uh-huh. already in hand yep. and have it go that way. Okay, But there are other circumstances that are out there that could play in. And if there is a connection to one of those late afternoon games, that could also play a part too. You know, If the Rams are still alive and say they're fighting – would it be the Vikings, I guess, for that mm-hmm. final spot? Then the Vikings game would be moved back against the Bears into that 325 window. You know, the, the, if, if you're a Vikings fan, I think that Bears game's got to worry a little bit, especially if there's a ton on the line. Well, we saw what happened last we year. We did, and, and we could see a lightning strike twice is kind of how I see it. Um, it was a different Bears team. Yeah. Was it, well, defense team. was better last year. Defense was better. Mitchell Trubisky was not as awful as he's been this year. Not as awful. <laughs> Not as awful. Not That's quite most, as bad as he the, was this year. The most year. glowing endorsement I could give of Mitchell Trubisky. Not as awful as he's been this season. Let, let me ask you from a Chiefs perspective. I think the Bills have a really good chance to pick off the Patriots. I'm with you. Saturday's slate is incredible. S- Saturday's slate is fantastic. I mean, the Houston-Tampa. Yes. Uh, Bills, versus, uh, Bills versus Patriots. Mm-hmm. And then Rams-Niners in the late spot, right? What time's the bowl game? What time is the the one bowl game on Saturday that means anything? Is it a night game too? Yes, it is. From I think Vegas? They, I think they moved the Vegas Bowl. Used to be that mid afternoon, mm-hmm. that two thirty type of window. They've moved it back. Uh, let's see if it's six thirty. I've got it right 6:30. here. Six thirty. Boise State, Washington. This is the last time this bowl is going to be played at Sam Mack. As long uh, as the stadium's ready, it will be. It has to be. By the-, <laughs> the Raiders are opening up in it in September. Mm-hmm. There's been rumblings, Ken. Well, I look. I've They're going to get that thing absolutely at least, at least available to play their games. Yes, they're not coming back to Oakland for the first four games or something. No, no. of 2020. Is as uh, I, I've watched it, not. I mean, I think I've been there three times since they put the front end loader, whatever it is, in the ground for the first. And just watching it come together, it's going to be a pretty cool stadium. It's right. Yes. It's right in the back of what would it be? The back of the Bellagio, maybe the because right behind the. MGM Monte Carlo is the home of the uh, home of the Golden Knights. What is it? Uh, it's a phone company. T-Mobile. Yeah, T-Mobile. T-Mobile. And then on, but and that's on the. You don't have to cross the interstate, and you're still by the strip. Okay. To get to the football stadium, it's across I-15. 
which is like a major interstate. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like you can just jaywalk across the interstate. Uh, but it's right on the other side. I think it's right behind the Bellagio. If you've been to Vegas, and I know most of you have, uh, that's kind of a, a reference point. Bellagio, Monte Carlo, that kind of area. No, New York, New York's on the other side. Um, but anyways, uh, but it's the last time that this game won't be played in any uh, in the Sam Mac. It's going to be played in the, what do they call it? Allegiant. And uh, we know now most everybody's crossover schedule games that they'll have, who they'll be playing depending on records. Mm-hmm. As those start to play out, I, I saw at least most of the Bears' schedules already set. I think seven of their eight road games are set, including going to L.A. to face the Rams in the new stadium next season. Really? My stepdad is a Rams fan. Uh huh. Over Christmas, get a couple of toddies in him and maybe say, you <laughs> See know, if he pulled the trigger. Hey, you know, we we we've always talked about taking a football trip, going to a Bears Rams game. Here's the perfect uh-huh. opportunity. Uh-huh. Might have to push back a retirement another year for him, but in order to, it will to pay be for pricey. that trip, it'll yes. be pricey because every Bears fan has that idea, right? Oh, no, no question. Or or when and, they play and, the Raiders, and the same thing with the Raiders, uh-huh. and that is going to be. Those first couple of times for Packers, Vikings, Bears fans, Chiefs fans, it is going to be monstrous. The good thing for the Chiefs is they go there yearly. Right. Now, didn't I see that uh, the Big Ten, that Vegas Bowl game becomes a Big Ten tie-in? Not every year, but every other year? Yeah, they're splitting with the SEC, so it'll be kind of like the Music City. Six-year cycle, three SEC teams, three Big Ten against the Pac-12. And it's moving after Christmas. Yes, as it should, or yeah. they're or they're um, making up another one, which is fine by me too. More football's good. We'll take a time out. We're going to talk a lot more football. Alex Halstead on Iowa State. Uh, he'll slide in here. We'll recap the recruiting class. We'll take a peek ahead to Notre Dame and Iowa State. John Miller going to join us at eleven thirty-five. I think it's going to be his final media appearance before he says enough. I do. He did. It's what he's doing, and good for him. Uh, John Miller going to join us before we get out of here at noon. But Alec Halstead is next. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station 14. Search Unbound. It's 24-hour sports, morning, noon, and night, here on 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO. Let me correct something I said, and as soon as we went to break, I realized what I'd said. They wouldn't name a hamburger after Sam Mack. Why would they name a stadium after? It's Sam Boyd. Sam Boyd Stadium. Sam Boyd Stadium. I didn't even catch it. In Las Vegas. Uh, let's get to Alex Halstead in here. He's been busy catching up on the recruiting class. He covered that yesterday. He'll be out in, uh, in Orlando with the team in the Camping World Bowl on the 28th. Alex, Trent and Ken, uh, compliments of the season. How are you, Alex? I'm doing good, yeah. Trying to wrap up this uh, signing day stuff from yesterday and then all attention for the next what, eight to ten days will be on uh, the Camping World Bowl. So excited to head down there and uh, glad to be on with you guys. No, we appreciate you coming on. You know, maybe the most intriguing thing to me, and I'm anxious to get your take on this, is the two quarterbacks, both of whom, I mean, there was a ton of excitement when Bowman came on board, and likewise with the lefty Decker who had such a terrific season, or Decker's, I guess, such a terrific season this year. These two, both in the same class, and both of them, um, I think... You know, and I think Iowa State fans and coaches feel the same way. Both of them have a chance to be impact players before uh, they graduate and run out of eligibility. But yet, one of them, if it, um, you know, one of them's going to be the guy and one of them's going to be that guy's backup, at least you would think. Going to be fun to watch these two, I think, compete. Yeah, that's kind of what you're starting to see around college football. You're starting to see more and more programs take multiple quarterbacks, 
maybe not every year, but every few years, just because of what you're seeing with numbers and you're seeing kids transfer out of programs uh, when a Brock Purdy type situation happens. You know, Brock Purdy gets that job, and you saw Zeb Nolan and Devin Moore both transfer. Uh, and so I think that was one reason they needed to get a couple quarterbacks and others. They moved Easton Dean to tight end. That's kind of official. He's going to stay there, it sounds like. So um, you look next year, and it's Brock Purdy, Real Mitchell, and, and that's it. And so Aiden Bowman and uh, Hunter Deckers both come into this class. Like you said, Bowman was their guy early. You know, he oh. was really the first guy they focused on. They went after him. They got him in, uh, I think it was June of 2018. Um, so he's been a long-time commit. And then all of a sudden, Hunter Deckers comes around, and, you know, they knew about him as an in-state guy out in West Sioux. Uh, but, you know, Campbell said that, you know, from his junior camp to his senior camp this past summer, he grew two inches. Um, obviously, he's got a really live arm and uh, end up as a top 247 prospect. And so they get two high-level quarterbacks, I think, um, those are two of their top three commits in this class in terms of ratings, um, and uh, it's going to be quite a battle. But like Matt Campbell said, for this to work, for quarterbacks to kind of be together, uh, you know, it helps when they get along. And uh, he said those two have become friends, which I think is a, is a good positive because, yeah, they're going to be competing, but I think you want those guys to all kind of get along and be on the same page. Speaking of the quarterback position, I got a lot of questions from some Cyclone fans about this yesterday after uh, the signing for Florida State. Uh, Brock Purdy's little brother, Chubba Hubbard, uh, Purdy, going to FSU. Because of the early commitment to Bowman, were they ever involved with the younger Purdy? Well, they, you know, like you said, yeah, I think the, the Bowman thing really affected that. You know, they identified him as their guy early, uh, at least initially, and then uh, took him. But, you know, Matt Campbell and, and Chubba Hubbard, or Chubba Purdy, sorry, <laughs> uh, have a, um, a good relationship, you know, going back. Obviously, you know, he was visiting around when Brock did. Uh, he's been on campus several times. You know, he was at their spring game and kind of know some of their, their commits in this class. I actually saw uh, him and Campbell just kind of briefly chatting uh, when he came up to watch Brock, maybe for the Texas game. So um, they've got a relationship, but I think the sense was that, one, they had Bowman early. Then once they decided they wanted two quarterbacks, you know, Decker's kind of emerged and Purdy had already committed elsewhere. The other thing is I think uh, Chubble kind of wanted to do his own thing, kind of go on his own path. And mm-hmm. you know, he was going to go to Louisville and obviously now a late flip to Florida State. And so uh, both programs will be at, at Power 5 schools next year. Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com, part of 24-7 Sports is our guest. Maybe, um, important is not the right term, but I'm going to use it. Is Latrell Bankston, the JUCO transfer, is going to plug in, Ray, you would think, plug and play for uh, Johnson or uh, or Lima, who both exhaust their eligibility. Is Bankston their most important recruit in this class? Yeah, that's kind of what I've been calling him. I think that's probably the right term you could use. I mean, He's got to kind of still prove it and all that stuff. But I think just in terms of what they lose with losing both Ray Lima and Jamal, Jamal Johnson on the interior of that defensive line, you need somebody to come in, especially with some experience, uh, and be a playmaker. You know, that's going to be the big hole they have to fill, you know, going into next season. It's going to be that defensive tackle spot. Uh, yeah, you're going to lose Marcel Spears, but I think they've had yep. enough linebackers show up that they think that it's probably a little bit easier transition. Uh, you know, you're going to lose Braxton Lewis, but they've got a lot of safeties that are coming up especially some young guys that they think can, can fill it. And it's not to say there's not guys that can come in. You know, Matt Campbell mentioned yesterday, both Isaiah Lee and Josh Bailey will be in that mix. Uh, but Bankston needs to come in. He's a Juco All-American and uh, comes in early. I think he has a chance, a real chance to win that job. I would say him, and then, you know, you always look at Juco. Xavier Hutchinson was a guy that uh, Matt Campbell doesn't throw a lot of hype on, on signing day, uh, but that's probably the most hype I've ever heard from him is talking about uh, Juco receiver Xavier Hutchinson. Mm. So he will be here for January classes, then Banks that I'm referring to. 
Yeah, Bankston Good. and uh, Hutchinson and you know seven different high school guys all arrive uh, January wow. 6th. Yeah, and you mentioned those seven guys from the high school ranks. So you expect the JUCO guys, at least most of them, to try to get there and go through spring practice. Seven guys, though, out of the high school class coming in. That's got to be a high-water mark for Campbell and Company, doesn't it? Has it has to be. Yeah, that's a huge number for them. It's kind of trending up this way in general. You, you always see Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the schools like that, the Blue Bloods bringing that many players. Alabama's bringing in, I think, 14 early enrollees. That's just what those schools do, and it's kind of expected that most of your class, if you're at what, going to one of those schools, you're going to enroll early. And Iowa State, it's, it's not been quite like that. Like you said, JUCOs, that's pretty common. You know, a lot of JUCOs are mid-year guys. Uh, but when you look at Matt Campbell's uh, first three recruiting classes here, he had five high schoolers enroll early. Uh, he's going to have seven enroll early just this class alone. So it, it's kind of an uptick. It's something that's kind of trending across college football. Uh, it's hitting Ames, Iowa now, and I think that's a big positive for them because you take those seven high schoolers, the two JUCOs, that's nine early enrollees. You bring in two gray shirts from the 2019 class, and they'll have 11 new scholarship players uh, taking part in spring ball this this spring. As tuned in as you are in recruiting, was there a position need that they missed on, Alex, or did they essentially fill out all of their shopping list, or was there something that was missed in your mind? No, I think they hit about everything that was expected this time last year when I started looking ahead to this class. You know, they got 10 offensive players, 10 defensive players, and uh, they filled a long snapper need with, with Stephen Wartell leaving. So they filled about every need. I would say a couple things changed throughout the cycle. I think there was a point where I thought they were going to take two high school defensive ends. They end up with just one Johnny Wilson from Kansas City, who they think is really good. Uh, I think part of the reason that that changed was Jaquan Bailey coming back probably changed those numbers, and they can probably hold that spot uh, now for next year. Uh, they still have to get T.J. Tampa. You know, they have 21 commits in this class. 20 of them did sign yesterday, but wide receiver T.J. Tampa did not. Uh, Georgia has made a push. Uh, other schools are still trying to get him. He could sign by Saturday, but if he doesn't, he's going to be a February guy that they probably have to continue to hold on to. So I say that's obviously work they have to do. Um, but otherwise, I think, you know, they've done pretty much everything they can. And I think now what they need to do is probably go to the grad transfer uh, role, or, you know, the, the grad transfer route and uh, – fill a couple holes here before uh, next season. A couple other uh, things to get to here, Alex, and early enrollees. We talked about that a little bit. want to get your thoughts, though, on a couple of guys that are part of this class, though they were part of the last recruiting class, at least in terms of high school eligibility. The gray shirts, what can you tell us about Deshane James and Deshaun Davis coming in in January? Yeah, Deshane James has probably been committed longer than about anybody. He committed... I think it was December 17th, 2017. So it was right after that signing day. Um, it was like the second or third commit of that 2019 recruiting class. But, you know, he's a guy that gray shirted uh, because he tore his ACL before senior year uh, in 2018. And once that happened, you know, Matt Campbell kind of explained it yesterday. Their, their big reason for it was, you know, once you get on campus, your clock starts. So he could have come here last year and, you know, had his ACL stuff and not been even ready, really ready to do much. But his clock would have started, so he still would have had to use his red shirt. So, they gray-shirted him, so he'll arrive in January, and then his clock won't start till then, so he'll be a true freshman. So it's just kind of, you know, the way it kind of works. He stayed home in Arizona this this semester, um, and, you know, he's going to come in and be a receiver, but has some position flexibility because he's got a thicker body at 6'2", uh, 225 pounds. So they're excited about him. Same high school as Brock Purdy. He used to be Brock Purdy's receiver um, and was around uh, Jubba Hubbard, or Jubba Purdy. I keep saying Hubbard uh, this, uh, this fall. And then uh, Deshaun Davis is a guy that signed, that committed actually after last signing day. He was a late guy that popped up on the radar. Uh, he took a more interesting route. He's a full qualifier, so he could come to Iowa State. But since he was a late commit, they didn't have any scholarships available for him. 
So he gray-shirted, but he actually attended Iowa Western this uh, semester and uh, red-shirted. So um, he was with their football program, took college courses, didn't play, uh, but he'll come in January as well. We've got 20 seconds left, Alex. When you when, uh, when Camel uh, you know get, gathers his staff and they put their feet up and you know the, 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 all the uh, all the stuff is done on on signing you, who would he say on his coaching staff is was his MVP? Was was it is it Shieldhouse that's really taking that lead recruiting role right now? Yeah, I think Shieldhouse has really hit his his stride in the last couple classes last year. Obviously, Tyrell Brock and Brees Hall and some other guys this year. He was really crucial on, you know, Xavier Hutchinson. He was also big on, you know, those three San Antonio guys, uh, including uh, Daniel Jackson, who's going to be going to the All-American Bowl in January. So he's been kind of their big guy, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of different guys that have, you know, played a role in, in these last two classes, especially. We will uh, talk to you next week from Orlando. Travel safe. Thank you, Alex. Okay, thanks, guys. Good to talk to you, Alex Halstead, 247sportscyclonealert.com. We'll come back. John Miller joins the program, HawkeyeNation.com. Uh, as we'll take a little trip down memory lane with John as he calls it a, a career as far as covering the Hawks and doing media uh, along those lines. Look forward to talking to our old buddy John Miller next. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 14 snow. KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. As we take you until noon, thank you at Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com, 24-7 Sports. Uh, for uh, dotting I's and crossing T's on Iowa State's 2019-2020 recruiting class. Uh, as We appreciate that. Well, let's get John Miller in here. John made the announcement that he's walking away from uh, from the media, from the Hawkeye media, and doing so here in the next few days. It's been a long run, John Miller. Great to talk to you, my friend. You have stood the test of time. Anytime you're doing something for over two decades, that certainly gets people's attention. Way to go, John Miller, and you're doing it on your own terms. How are you? I'm doing well, Ken. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, um, you know, you just get lucky sometimes. And that life's, you know, when I was younger and more arrogant, I sort of felt like, you know, uh, okay, I'm going to get political, but not political. Barack Obama, back when he was president, said something once upon a time like, well, you didn't do that. Those roads you're on, you didn't build those. Those, those roads you used to do your business, et cetera. And it pissed me off. Because I'm like, you know what? Yeah, we, yeah, I did. I, I got up in the morning. I did this. The older I've got, the more I realize we we don't ever do anything by ourselves, and that's nothing to do with Republicans and Democrats. It's really about life. And yeah, I happen to be a guy that had some passion and and a little technical know-how back in the late '90s when the internet was just starting to rise mm-hmm. up. Somebody else, somebody else would have been there if I hadn't have been there. But I was just really fortunate that I was. Yeah, indeed, John. It was such a. As I think back in those times, the internet was just starting up, right? And who would have thought that? You know, fan sites of the team that, that uh, invokes so much passion in so many people that that would be really something that uh, would grow to what the the behemoth it is today. For crying out loud, and and you were on. You know, you were you were on the first wave of those people to do so. So, what was behind the decision? What? How did it come across your mind or pop into your head that you know th- there's a there's a market, there's an opportunity out there to do this? Yeah, I don't know if it was as much of a recognizing opportunity as it was me getting an opportunity to live out the dream that I had. Um, you know, when I was a little kid, I told my dad I was going to be the voice of the Hawkeyes one day, and I'd have a national TV show on ESPN. I was 13 years old. 
And then, um, you know, I got into the early to mid-90s, and I worked a little bit in, with an NBC TV affiliate in in Peoria, Illinois, after getting a degree in television broadcasting from Southern Illinois, and I got out of it. And I just didn't, I didn't want to live the life of a local, uh, a local sportscaster. And then the Internet came along, and I started finding forums in 1996 and 1997, Big Ten fan forums. The Big Ten actually official site used to have a forum, and it was the Wild really? West. It was unmoderated. <laughs> it was insane. Yes. And I, I really got into it. I really loved it. And then, you know, in, in early 1999, I started sending my opinions on Iowa Hawkeye Athletics to family and friends, and I was copying and pasting articles from the Gazette and the Register and not really – that's not the right way to do it. And of course the Gazette contacted me not long after saying you can't do this. And then, so I, 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 I adjusted and I just, you know, copied and pasted a few sentences, put the link to the item there. And I said, Hey, this is worth reading. Here's my take on it. And five months later, 5,000 people were getting it hmm. on my email distribution list. And that was the moment that I said, Hey, hmm, this could do something. And then the original rivals.com. That started in November of 98. They reached out to me in 99, a few months after they started. And the OriginalRivals.com is the company that invented the recruiting database and everything as we know it. They said, hey, we want you to do what you're doing in your Miller Time newsletter for us, and we'll pay you $1,000 a month. And I'm like, that's freaking righteous duck bucks, you know? <laughs> that's in addition to my day gig. Yeah. So that's, so that's when it became, like, professional, if you will. And so, again, it wasn't about seeing an opportunity and going after it. It was just about doing something I liked and the opportunity finding me. John, our paths crossed back on those Big Ten fan forums. My freshman year is when I found message boards, 1998. I was in there with you, Denver Hawk, and, and the whole slew of people <laughs> from back in the day. It, it, my favorite part of it, though, and at that time, as I was learning about all these Illini fans that grew up Illini fans but couldn't get into Illinois that were suddenly at the University of Iowa, my hatred really grew right then, but... You gave me a call. I think you were getting maybe looking at a change. It would have been, I want to say, 2001. Is that when the wheels were in motion, first message boards for you, maybe breaking off? Because I was in college at the time. You want to get the perspective of somebody in college. And out of the blue, I get a phone call from John Miller. For me, as a nerd on the message board, that, that was a big deal for me. But the the just movement that happened throughout and the different websites as they're creating. It's fascinating. I know you went long form on it during the podcast, but tighten it up for here, us here on the radio. So I was with the original rivals. Things went south October of 2000, which was the first big NASDAQ uh, bubble. Mm-hmm. And that killed a lot of technical companies. I mean, pets.com. I mean, it, it was, yeah. it was a bad time. And um, Rivals was no different. Um, they were burning through venture capital uh, in ways. They were hosting parties. They brought a bunch of people out to, like, I think it was the Hula Bowl, out to Hawaii. I mean, they were just spending money like they were drunken sailors. And um, it was November of 2000 that I thought, you know what, I'm going to want to do this on my own one day. So I went, and I thought of names, and I was listening to, you know, Jim Rome and JT the Brick at that time on Sports Talk Radio, and, you know, JT the Brick always talked about Raider Nation. Raider Nation. Ah, Raider Nation. Yes. And I thought, you know what? Hawkeye Nation would be a pretty cool idea. So I did some research. And yeah, I'm kind of a history geek, so I kind of look at the Indian Native American um, history of Iowa. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do Hawkeye Nation. So I bought it in November of 2000, thinking that one day I'm going to want to use this. Well, that day came six months later, five months later. On April 14th of 2001, I 
left. I was on my own. I, I launched a site called HawkeyeNation.com. Um, a guy from Pennsylvania, I think PSU Playbook might have been the site. He let me, uh, he, he basically helped me get the site built. And at that point in time, Trent was probably, you know, it was, you know, uh, Mike Zirith, yes. Nick Ollinger, Dave Wyatt, several <laughs> other people that I had just met on the message boards, and, and you were like one of them. They were doing Hawkeye Nation with me. Well, then four months later, I get a call from Rivals 2.0, guys that had purchased the assets of Rivals. Um, and Shannon Terry was one of those two guys. Shannon Terry's the CEO of 247 Sports. Um, you know, he sold Rivals and then got back into it. And they asked me to join up with their Iowa site. And that also meant I could get a job with Voice of the Hawkeyes magazine, who Rivals 2.0 had the contract with. So that's what I did, and I left, and I, I know a bunch of people were really irritated with me for doing that, and I understand that now, and I probably didn't handle it as well as I could have, um, but that opportunity was there, and I just felt like I needed to take it. Uh, and that got you to radio, so help us out with the KXNO. I know that uh, you were actually hired before we were hired. I, it pisses me off. I can't say the name of the show I was on, but I won't. Um, so you, you got here first, John. How did, how did that come about? So it was 2003, 2004, I was living in Kansas City at the time, and Joe Schmelke of the Polk County Eye Club, who was the president, still is, he got in touch with me and said, hey, we'd love to have you come up and be a part of our Wednesday evening Polk County Eye Club radio show. Jim Zobel's going to be here. We do it from a bar. It was one of... You know, it was one of J. Michael McCoy's ventures that mm-hmm. was out in Clive. That, that place is no longer there. And I said, yeah, this would be great. Because, you know, I, people would have been inviting me on the radio show for a couple of years. So I, I talked to my wife and I said, listen, I really feel like I can make something go of this and, and talk radio in Iowa. And I want to move back there in a few years. And, you know, she was not thrilled with that. <laughs> and But I'm like, to prove to these people that I'm worthy of taking a chance on, I got I to do something. So in 2004, um, or 2003 rather, I drove up to Des Moines and back every Wednesday just to do a show. I don't even think I was compensated. (laughs) The next year, I did the same thing on Wednesdays, but Joel McCray and Van Harden invited me to do Sound Off with Jim Zobel. So they'd noticed Mm -hmm. the work that I was putting in. Mm -hmm. So then in 2004, I was driving. Or the fact that they didn't have to pay you. That's right, not much. Um, I was driving from Kansas City to Des Moines to do a Wednesday night show and then back. And then on Saturdays, I would drive up to Des Moines to do sound off and then home. Wow. And several times on those late games, I would like start falling asleep driving back to Kansas City, leaving the, the station mm-hmm. at 10 p.m. And I would pull over like Bethany, Missouri, Eagle, Eagle Ridge, Missouri, and I would just sleep in my car for a couple hours. And it started freaking my wife out. And she's like, yeah, we got to go. So in the spring of 2005, moved up, still didn't have a full-time radio gig. But then Mediacom reached out to Dace and I to do Cyhawk Talk State of the Nation, the weekly show, which really changed everything for me. Yeah. Um, and then the next year, 2006, Joel McCray and Van Harden extended the invitation to me to host my own yeah. sports talk show, the John Miller Show, which was horrific. It was horrible. Yeah, I was blown um, away, John. I, you got a, You had a ton of feedback on that show. It used to amaze me watching your phone banks. Just every single line was constantly lit up. Well, you were, I think, a little bit befuddled because of the, how I did that. A lot of times it was with music-related topics. It was just kind mm-hmm. of off-the-wall stuff that Murph and Andy do right now yep. that 
that's their that's their gig. That's what we did, and um, and yeah. So it you know I learned on the fly. Uh, I, I wasn't able to prepare in obscurity. I had to prepare in front of a bunch of people, and it was painful. But then. Yeah, you know, that fateful um, that fateful F bomb yep. day in March of two thousand and nine mm-hmm. led to Miller and Dace in the morning. Mm. You know that that's it's crazy when I think back to that day, John, and and what has happened to the five people that were in the room that day, right? I mean, clearly, um, all of them. Poor Larry, Larry Kotler, sadly, tragically, he perished uh, in a flash flood, and then just the rest of us. And you know, you're doing really well in the propane business, and Jeff Kahn's uh, reinvented himself. He's uh, got a good gig somewhere in Missouri, I want to say, a small town. Maryville. Maryville, Missouri, right? Uh, one of us faces 20 years in prison and on federal charges, and one of us is coming back from nearly wait, wait, committing... Wait, what'd you, what'd you do? What'd you do? No, 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 that wasn't me. Right. No, I was the one that nearly committed career suicide. Uh, but yeah, no, I wasn't that one. <laughs> it's just crazy to think about. That morning, John, do you remember it vividly? I, I'll never forget it. And really, at the time, when, when they first started dropping, were you even aware? Because I wasn't. And I was sitting five feet away from, well, you're three feet away from me, five feet away from uh, is the F-bomb dropper. And, and Larry and, and him passed each other by, and it just exploded. Yeah, I remember it clearly. You, you I mean, am I not allowed to say the name? Or you're not no, allowed to I say just, the name? No, I just, yeah, no, say it, say it. Yeah, it just bothers okay. me. Okay. So you I'm embarrassed, John. I'm hey. so embarrassed. Dude, you can't, if you, hey, if you got a time machine, go back and change it. If you don't, move forward. Good point. Um... So you, me, and Marty are in the room. It's a crossover from Kotler and Company in the morning with Jeff and, and Larry. And there's usually there's three minutes before the top of the hour we come yep. back on, and we're getting ready to do this NCAA, um, you know, kind of a pre-NCAA show for two hours before the games come on. You and I was doing their thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drake was doing their thing. And Larry and Marty got into this big argument because apparently Larry turned Marty in over an improper use of a credential or something like that. That's right. They started just freaking screaming at each other, and, and Jeff's on the other side of the glass. His jaw is dropped. Yeah. I'm like, holy, I'm going to have to get in here and separate these two. And after a couple of minutes, I remember we've we got 30 seconds of yep. show time. And I, and, I, and I said, shut up. Larry, get out of here. Marty, sit down. we got to go on the air unbeknownst to anybody that this is all going out in the airway until our phones yes yeah yeah until the phones lit up and then all of a sudden you know i'm getting the countdown and i just shift into the mode i said hey good morning iowa blah 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 and like nothing went like nothing happened and we go on and then during one of the first breaks i think mr mccray was standing outside the door was van harden was it van he was van yes yeah, it's like we gotta have a conversation after this is right. all over, and uh, and the rest is history. My mm. my my sleep was disrupted for eighteen months after that. Yeah, and then the shows all changed, right? And it changed for the better. And you and Dace went to mornings, correct? Well, Dace and I started a morning show. Dace was still over at HO, and it was the John Miller show up to that point in time. And then um, you know Joel and Van reached out to Steve and I and said, hey. We we've got a hole to fill. We yeah. think you guys would be good in the morning, right? And, and and you were. That's what we did, and that's what we did. Yeah, it was good. It was a good run. It was, it was. I hated it, uh, but I loved it. I hated waking up that early. The mm-hmm. first thought in my head every single day of my life for eighteen months was, I'm going to take a nap later today. I was <laughs> not a good father during that period of time. I wasn't a good husband during that period of time. But 
I was a good co-host on a radio show during that period. Yeah, I don't know how I don't know how Heather, Travis, and Sean do it every day, getting up at the, no at way. the crack of dawn. I, I'm with you. All right, so John, you are, um, you know, in, in the next couple of days, will you make it through the bowl game before you quit podcasting, quit posting, and and you're just going cold turkey? Is that it? You're just gonna be you're just gonna be done. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the the instant reaction podcast after the holiday bowl, which will be late in the evening on the 27th, that'll be it. And then I'm I'm handing the at Hawkeye Nation Twitter account over to the guys that own Hawkeye Nation. Mm-hmm. And um, my last post will be probably a few. I'll, I'll post the link to the podcast and thank people one more time, and um, and that'll be it. And I'm gonna remove myself from sports Twitter for, as I've been saying, a season of life. I don't know how long that season will be, um, but it, it needs to be. It needs needs to be. I, I need to get away from it so I can change my habits and focus on other things. It's not like it's not like I couldn't tweet here and there, but I just know myself. I'll get sucked back in, <laughs> and I, you know, it's like when I quit drinking. I didn't just taper off. I had I was mm-hmm. an alcoholic until I quit. So it's kind of a similar thing. So. Um, so yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna disappear for a while. Hmm. Well, John, listen, uh, as I've said many times to to, to people, uh, I, I, you and I, we couldn't be any more different, and yet we hit it off famously, I thought. I, our, uh, we covered Big 12 Media Days down in Kansas City. We drove together, enjoyed that. We covered Iowa Media Days, did a radio show over. What station did we borrow that day? Um, it was one of our sister stations over just outside Iowa City. Um, did, was it KXIC? I think it was. It was KXIC, yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, saw each other every day, and um, I'll never... I'll never forget. We had a great time, John Miller, and I'll miss you. We did, and I'll miss you. And uh, we're not as different as you think. And uh, I've not given up on you, Ken Miller. Thank you, pal. Good to talk to you. Congratulations to you. Merry Christmas to you and Andrea and the two girls. Uh, Congrats on everything you're doing in the propane business, John. Uh, We'll uh, we'll keep an eye on you when you you have to scratch that itch and get (laughs) back on Twitter. Uh, Thank you, John. All right. Thank you, and thank you, Trent. Thanks, John. Good to talk to you. John Miller, uh, hanging it up after the uh, Instant Reaction podcast after the Holiday Bowl on Friday the 27th. A good dude right there, uh, Trent. He is a good dude. Yes. So always enjoyed my interactions with John. They were very limited uh, during our time. We never really uh, crossed paths here at my time early on at KXNO when I first moved here. But, yeah, I always enjoyed Mm. his perspective, his thoughts on Iowa bringing a different kind of view and uh, opening up the doors. As I said, I was a message board user from 1998. I was early on there, so I've not known John in that capacity for over two decades now. And uh, going away for how long? I think he's done. I really do. I, I think, think we're going to see him back in this do you? Five, ten, fifteen years down the line. It's a long time, right? It is. Long time. He stood the test of time. Congratulations yes. to that. He was on the forefront of uh, of this whole message board craze. Remember when these guys, bloggers, if you want to call them that, they couldn't get credentialed. Right. You know, for, John really? was the first one at the university. I think he, mu- he must have been, he was. right? Yep. He talked about that in one of his podcasts. Yeah. The first non-traditional media member to be allowed into the press box at Kinnick Stadium. So what are you going to watch tonight, Trent Condon? Is there a basketball game? Seton Hall, Maryland did move my needle until, you know, uh, injuries out. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, It's going to be college basketball for me. How about Michigan State finally getting a road win last yeah, night? Yeah, but you know what? Northwestern came back and they made did. it close because they were getting crushed early in that game. 
Yeah, the Big Ten finally lost a home game basketball-wise. Wofford is at Duke after their yeah. win against North Carolina. But that North Carolina win is not as shiny as it's it once not, was. No, not, not Who beat North Carolina last uh, Gonzaga. Throttled them. Yeah, uh, Zags got them. Last. NC State Auburn good. might be decent tonight. Always like watching Auburn team. The Bruce Pearl connection still... Mm-hmm. Still gets me at least uh, watching more Auburn games than I normally would, and they're pretty good. Will you tune in at all and watch Jets Blackhawks? That sounds awful. <laughs> well, not to Regular me, it doesn't. season hockey, yuck. Yeah, anyways. NBA tonight, I don't know if there's... Well, it is Thursday, right? Is it mm-hmm. Thursday? It is Thursday. Yeah. This week has been a weird one. It's been a long one. The weeks flew by, and then all of a sudden now, I don't know, it's just uh, they're slamming on the brakes. Ooh, Lakers Bucks tonight. Not bad. Is it in Milwaukee? It is in Milwaukee. 7 o'clock, TNT. I have found where I'm going to be. Now we've got to find a betting angle. Well, you'll manage that. Speaking of betting angles, Kenny White is going to join us. A lot of bold conversation early in tomorrow's program. I look forward to speaking to one of the best in the biz, Kenny White. Uh, we'll have our Iowa, our Iowa State segment. We'll do the Chiefs and uh, the Bears. Because we don't have the Vikings and the Packers until Monday night, which yes. is fine by me. Although it's not fine by me that it's the final Monday nighter. Thanks for being here. Murph and Andy at 2, Fanatics at 4. Then tomorrow morning, the Morning Rush will start programming on a Friday. Right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 14.